because uh, I talk about things that other people often don't want to talk about. But today it's open, the rules are open mic, open floor, talk about whatever you want to talk about. This is the Karma Club brought to you by the Karma Coin, a social token that supports creators. You can get the Karma Coin at rally.io. And I should pin that, right? I can only do one thing at a time. It's pathetic, but we can pin the link so you can go. There it is. Heyman pinned it. So you can go out and buy your Karma Coin. The Karma Coin um, is going to be at a real good time to buy because I have one long toddler who has to pay his tuition. Hi, Dr. Denise. You are going to speak, I bet you, when, because you're an expert. And when Barbara gets here, you're going to speak. So this app has been so glitchy lately. I wonder what they're doing. I've been, I've tried three times to get you up. There you are. There you are. How are you, Dr. Denise? How are you? Oh, there's Barbara. There's Barbara. I'm good. I'm having a little glitch here too. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, oh, great. Here. There's Dr. Atusa who's on a plane and probably can't speak, but she's here to support. <laughs> anyway, okay. So let me set the stage for this conversation since it is eleven eleven oh one. And I like it. In the meantime, you guys do the job for me of waving people into the room, pinging, sharing the discussion, um, putting your little plus signal out there and making the room bigger. And I want men as well as women up on stage because men interact with women on a daily basis. So let me tell you how I got the idea for this room. It was a movie that is Disney Plus is streaming now called Turning Red. And I read a couple of reviews of this movie, Turning Red. Thank you, Frank. You're a brave man. Um, I, I read a couple of uh, reviews of Turning Red. And one of the reviews was saying that it's about puberty and that the the character i did haven't seen it so i can't tell tell you but the the, the character uh, turned into a big red angry panda and so i read this review and i thought to myself i have no idea what the current conversations are about things that are really important for for women because in my day which was quite a while ago um, <laughs> my mother handed me a pamphlet. You may, some of you remember this pamphlet called Growing Up and Liking It when I was 13. Growing Up and Liking It sounded fishy even at the time she handed me the pamphlet. But that was all she ever told me about getting my period and all she, which she referred to as getting my period. And all she ever told me about sex, except for don't do it unless you're going to marry the guy. 
Well, we are at a completely different point in history now, and yet I hang around on social media all day long, and I still don't see these, you know, women talk subjects talked about at all. And I'm wondering now, and if anyone knows a a teacher that isn't working right now that they can ping in, I'm wondering what the current state of information is in this um, book burning, um, um, child pornography fearing, um, conservative leaning society that we find ourselves in. What do women need to know about their bodies? See, because I came out of this era where there was a book written, I think, in the 70s called Our Bodies, Ourselves. And it was a book for women about their bodies and glorifying their bodies. And it gave the information. So what I did for my children was Our Bodies, Ourselves and a big conversation. So anybody get any information from their mothers and anybody know what mothers are telling their children? Yeah, this is Barbara. I actually had this conversation two, two days ago with my daughter who was pregnant. And, uh, and she said, so she's 20, she's 29. And she said to me, I was never taught very much about my body in school, in high school or in college. She's a teacher, right? And, uh, and she's dealing with a, a high-risk pregnancy. And she's learning so many things about what's going on in her body that she didn't know about. So even today, we're not doing a very good job at it. And that's in Canada where she is. So I just want to, Dr. Denise, I'm sure you have a lot of input on this one. There we go. Well, you know, it depends on state by state what's allowed. And so it's a hard conversation to have. Um, Good, I have hard conversations every week. Right. But it's it's state by state what is allowed and school district by school district. So it's really about pockets of belief systems and what they'll allow to be taught in school or not. This is Dr. Ward. That's, that's shocking because when I... When I was a foster parent, which was after I was a parent, um, I found that there was a lot of information in sex education. I use Arizona as my example because in, in Arizona, they have less of everything than anywhere else because Arizona is so conservative. But what I found is they were teaching sex education in the schools but um, people weren't necessarily uh, people weren't necessarily forced to take it or you know encouraged to take it. And so my foster daughter came to me, and she was uh, maybe fourteen at the time, and she had already had sex, and she get you know was one of these conversations where if the man puts his penis on your pants, are you going to get pregnant? You know, the, those, that type of conversation. So, and I, that shocked me. So then I asked her what she knew about the facts of life, and it turned out that she knew nothing. Dr. Francine, this is Dr. Warden again. That 
I would say what the school districts and all are doing, they're trying to think through, they were trying to leave it to the parents or to the people that are raising the children because the belief systems are so different. But like in your case, with foster children or with other people, the parents aren't doing it. <laughs> so some of the kids are going to get lost in not having any education. They can opt to, the parents can say, I don't want to do it, let the school do it. Or they can say, nope, don't you dare tell my children your belief system, and they will teach at home. But what about the kids in between? I think that's where the problem is. Well, and and what about the what are the kids hearing? I mean, it's not that this stuff doesn't exist. It's that they don't have a. It's that they don't have a a, a good credible source of information. Trust me, they have information. It just may not be any good. Well, that's right. A lot of them are using media as their educators, right? Social media, movie, theater, television. We all know that's a far cry from reality most of the time. So um, there, you know, it really is back to as much as we as individuals can do. If you see a family that's not going to educate or a child, jump in where we can. But there's not. How would you get everyone to agree on the principles that need to be taught? I'm not sure you're going to. For a credible source, when you say that, maybe there's different credible sources, one with a certain belief system, another with another. And there could be a bank like that um, so that they could hear all sides. I could see that. But I think it would be difficult, just like in politics. How are you going to find one person that appeases all? It's just very, very difficult. Religion and politics and sexuality is part of all of that, as we know. Yeah, but I think it's. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead, Barbara. I think I think also take it at a global level, right? So I'm Danish, as you as you know, Francine, and you know I was brought up in Copenhagen, and I back then I wasn't educated, but certainly my sisters were. Uh, but then if you take it to a global in the other countries like India, they have menstruation huts. You know, it's like shameful, you know, or or bad, you know, to have your period, right? And they stick you in a hut, you know, in the middle of nowhere, you know. So there's a lot, a lot, very, very important conversation to really transform in terms of how we create a paradigm shift here. You know, and and back to the religion piece, not to talk about different religions, but several types, there's there's, um, a sex within the Jewish tradition that still view menses that way. You're, you're, you're away from the family. You're pushed into um, a different room. You're not even, you can't even break, you know, bread with the family. It's still deeply ingrained in religious background and training in a lot of, and I'm just, that was just one example. But like you said, Barbara, many countries, but even in America, um, there are different communities that still view it as something to be ashamed of and is dirty. I, I just need to speak to that as a Jewish person. Um, there's uh, extreme elements of, um, uh, or not extreme, extremely observant people. It's not, it's not pushed into a room. That's not exactly how it is. And I just don't think it's uh, fair to point that out when there's uh, over 2 billion Christians and almost 2 billion Muslims. And there are only 15 million Jews in the world. And that we're talking about a very small subset. And it's not handled the way you're talking about. Um, so for some people, it, it, it's celebrated, but it's just... 
women don't necessarily have sex during that period of time, and nor does a man. It's, it, the man's job is to let the woman um, go through her process, and, and, and that's respected. So there's different views on that. But please don't uphold Jewish people in that way, because we are demonized, and there's so much anti-Semitism now. I'm not okay with it. And I found that extremely offensive. If you don't know the religious practice or the observance of the Jewish people and a particular sect, uh, please don't speak on it and use us. Use other groups, please. That are I, much I, I appreciate your opinion, but let no, me respond no, to that. No, don't you dare tell me I, your opinion. No, no. I'm I said, a Jew. I, no, Do you I know I about Jewish your law? Opinion. I said no, I respect not my opinion. Married. It's not your place to talk about Judaism if you don't know about I, it. I am married so to a Jewish man. Your, my opinion. Please I'm let me you. finish. I'm married to a Jewish man, and I well, have Jewish <laughs> patients. I have seen this. So what? And I understand it's a very small so section. And no, I love people are messaging state. me. I'm right. So don't you Check know, weaponizing your relationship. I'm not okay with that. I'm Check not okay it. with that. Check it. Wait. You, you now have a chance to explain what the customs are. Well, I, I'm I'm not going to because I'm going to tell you I'm not extremely religious, but I have all my family came from extremely religious uh, 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 background. What I do know is very minimal, and we would need an expert. But I myself, this is not part of the practice I uh, adhere to um, at all. But that I know that some it's a time and the framing of the people that I've spoken to on this subject who are orthodox. It's not about being shamed. It's about women are to uh, have their alone time during that period of time. So men and women do not have sexual encounters at that time. But that's not necessarily bad. There's different ways to view things. And, you know, we don't all have to uphold to the same traditions in order to be accepted. So this is where I think in general, to get off this topic, but again, please don't uplift, you know, unless we have someone who knows. And I think we have to be very careful to be culturally sensitive to different groups of people. Now, in India, I don't know what the practices are. Perhaps they're in a hut. I don't know. But, but I've also read the book, The Red Tent. And that was a fabulous book of, a, of kind of uh, filling in the gaps of women's history. And by the way, I'm a feminist raised by a single mother. Would and, you tell me what Thread Tent is about? Because that's an, yeah. it sounds like something I might want to read. Oh, amazing like book. And it kind of fills in, you know, it, it is kind of a Jewish history, but what it, it talks about and fills in the spaces where, you know, women's voices were not necessarily uplifted. Now, they were in the Torah, but but it talks about these, these mothers, uh, women, um, that... Um, you know, and how they live their life. So it kind of fills in the gaps because we don't hear women's stories as much um, as, you know, and so it's really a wonderful book and, and it is fiction, but it, it, it draws on a lot of uh, fact and history. So I, I highly recommend the book. I enjoyed it. Um, hey guys. But, uh, yeah, I just want to say that. Thank you. I appreciate you coming up here. Hey, Hey guys, I um, I'm really enjoying this conversation, and I would like to listen to uh, what Dr. Denise has to say because I mean the only way this room is respectable is people can um, express their opinions and not say their opinion doesn't matter. So um, I really okay. want to hear what she has to say. What's your culture, sir? 
What's my culture? Yeah. I'm African-American. Okay. So do you want me to be up on this stage talking about African-American culture? If sure. I'm not African-American? No, sure. I don't think that's appropriate. Well, I'm sorry. It's just my an opinion. Culture... It's just an opinion. No, no. But, but you have to make Check it. it. This is not kind of, okay. This is not based the kind of conversation on, we want okay. on this stage right now. What we're trying to do is get to the point that many things are not mentioned. And I think you've made a very good point about why. Because when conversations like this get started, they very often go where you know in directions that people don't want them to go and dr denise is right you know that every uh, culture has its own rituals and routines and the goal of the school seems to be to thread its way through all of that without giving um, children much information to use going forward into life and that's a um, that's a that is, is such a serious issue. It is. It's a very serious issue, and I'm all on board with that. And I've educated my kids as best I can. And um, you know, I didn't have that education because I'm an older generation. I just ask that we not point out specific cultures and talk about those specific groups in a negative way. And that's, I accept. And that's I, all I'm asking for. That's all I, I'm asking for. Okay? I accept. I accept. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Denise, um, tell more about your patients and what you see, and mm -hmm. perhaps more about um, what else besides menstrual um, uh, customs uh, are not fair game for public conversations. I just <laughs> well, would I thought to that add... was what public conversation means, but first, well, let I, me just say, your laughing is why I'm going to leave the room, because it is whiteness. I'm married to a Jewish that, man. I don't no, care who you're I married to. I okay, you okay, know, hold on. So I'm not check it. Judging other cultures is not your job. I'm not judging. Yeah, that's unfortunate. The funny thing is, as a Hindu... Just as a Hindu, yeah. I'll just point this out. The, even though I'm a Hindu, the most I've learned about Hinduism was from a white person who actually had read <laughs> it and actually f saw the religion from a, a non-judgmental, from an unprejudiced standpoint. And so I think it's good that we have these conversations. And thank you. Sorry. Well, thank I you. try hey, to navigate I... them as, as best I can, but I've got a stage full of people that I really like up here. And if if every other comment is going to come from Sheket, we're not going to get very far. So I love you all. I hope Sheket doesn't hate me because I called her up, you know, knowing something like that was going to happen. But I just didn't think it would happen on such a broad scale or rather once it started happening on a broad scale, I just had to stop it. So that was what is known as moderator privilege. And I, I put her in the audience. So thank you, go Dr. On. Francine. Barbara, I, just before you go, Dr. Doniz, I just want to say something. It really is about understanding, right? And, and listening generously. That's where we learn the most, right? If we just really st st stay put with what we know we know and just explore the things of what we don't know we don't know. 
And Heyman, your point is a beautiful thing. I learned so much from from diverse backgrounds, etc. And I read so much and I've written a lot of things. But one book that I highly recommend that that you all read is called Half the Sky. And it's by Nicholas Kristoff and his wife as well. And it is a beautiful thing. And I met them both. And they talk about the whole women's lens globally, including the tents in, in India and so on. But one of the things that they said, and I think this is an important uh, statistic for us to know, that more women and girls have been killed than all the wars together just because there were women and girls in this world of ours. Just because. So, and the menstruation piece is in very place, very place, very many places, a secret or a, you know, sort of hidden thing uh, that we need to talk about because it's, it's, it impacts us all. So I just want to say that. Let's listen generously and be inclusive. And over to you, Dr. Dunis. All right. There it goes. Hi. So, yeah, sorry to create that storm. It wasn't the intent, obviously, but um, it was just to Don't be sorry. Women always say they're sorry for things that they, <laughs> they don't really have the responsibility for. Well, that's true. And that's, that's the job of a Canadian, not that's you. <laughs> that's, that's right. Let that's him hysterical. say that. That's yeah. why I have an Or maybe right, even right. Barbara. That's why I have Canadians on the show. Right, right, right. That's right. So where it was coming from, I have patients that have struggled with this within their own lives. And I read about it. I do. I, and I'm married to a Jewish man. And I said, I have to know more about this. And yes, I read The Red Tent. It's a great book, but it's fictional. A lot of it is not accurate. I went to the accuracy as much as I could. And so while I was trying to point out was that we still have, like Barbara is saying, throughout the world and different religions, there are pieces there that are deeply ingrained and it's going to be difficult to have a voice, a one, you know, one person to teach our youth, our young women about their bodies and their physical. It's just, I just think we have to do these kinds of things and they're open conversations where we're not pointing fingers, where we're, we're, we're opening the sky, we're lifting the drape to look under to see what can we see. And I just see it in my practice still with different religions. Tell about your practice. What is your practice? Uh, well, I'm a naturopathic medical doctor. I'm also a researcher. I work a lot in oncology, but I do women's health and men's health as well because hormones have to do with some types of cancers. So I've become somewhat of a hormone expert as well. And that's driven me to help uh, families conceive, uh, just to check their bodies before they uh, are pregnant. I just had one yesterday that said, I want, I'm, I'm getting married. I'm not even married yet. I want my husband and I both to come in to be checked to make sure we're as healthy as we can be before we try to conceive. So from that stage all the way through menopause and, you know, billions, I think it's 30 billion. I don't want to quote that wrong, but by the year 2030, 30 billion of the world's population will be postmenopausal women. So we better deal with the menopausal part now because we, there's going to be a large percentage of us. And, you know, every, there's not a protocol. There's not one thing. Everyone is different. It's personalized medicine. Where are their hormones? Where's their stress level? You literally have to look deeply at the individual person, whether they're trying to conceive or they're in menopause or they have 
amenorrhea or problems with their periods. And the same goes for with men's health as well. You just have to look at every piece of that human being, not just one part. So that's my practice is really diagnosing and digging deep to find the root of the problem, no matter what they're coming for. Thank you. I heard, I heard okay. why Elon Musk is, uh, wants to uh, send a colony to Mars because he's anticipating this wave of menopausal women. So I think I'm going to volunteer for that mission. Oh my God! No. You won't need to because we're going to be fine. We... That you were a good guy. Someone told me you were a good guy, but if Anne told me that, I would have big second thoughts about having you roaming loose on this stage. Let me okay. reset the room for a minute. Um, my name is Dr. Francine Hardaway. This is the weekly meeting of the Karma Club. It's a club in which people, intelligent people, and we only let intelligent people stay on the stage. Intelligent people have conversations on hard topics with, you know, respect. And it's brought to you by the Karma Coin, which is a social coin that supports creators, of which I am one, but our, our Karma Coin supports 85 other creators, and we are all, our whole goal is building community. And the goal of all of these rooms is to build community and become a community. And it's very hard to build and keep community if people are up here taking each other apart. So I'm here to bring everybody together. I am a believer in community. I am a Web3 acolyte. Web3 is all about community. So let's just go from there. Um, Rick, you said you had something to say. Uh, no, I'm just I'm just joining the room to listen, and I'm I'm the exception to your rule of intelligent people being allowed on stage. We let you up <laughs> because you're nice. No, <laughs> and Alan, did you unmute? Yeah, I'd just like to go back to the inappropriate, my opinion, behavior of Shaquette. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, I'm. Just like her, I'm a Jewish, so I, I think that even according to her, I have a right to speak about the topic. So I think that, you know, Dr. Denise was perfectly accurate with the description. There's a small group of Jews that don't, that have these kind of practices. They treat women at this time as if they're not pure, and I'm not going to go and talk about all the nuances, but... You know, this thing, practice exists till today, and uh, I think that even non-Jewish person can speak about it because it's not, it's not racist, it's not discriminatory, it is what it is. Uh, you know, the majority of us don't believe in it, but just like if any group, you know, it's a big tent and it includes different variety of people with different practices, and we should acknowledge it, and, and maybe, hopefully, one day it's going to go away, but we can't just say because that we, we cannot speak about it and I'm done. Thank you, Alan. It doesn't upset me to, um, to have someone come up and speak like that because I'm very sympathetic toward the, the position of the Jews, but it just doesn't help. It doesn't help the Jews and it doesn't help anybody else either. 
Um, Dr. Rao, hi. Welcome to the stage. Did you have a Hello, comment? Hello, Dr. Francis. How are you? Did you have a comment about women or something, something about uh, female uh, customs or things that are not talked about or that you do talk about? Well, I don't really separate women and men. I kind of talk about human beings. So I will listen to some more before I come with any comments. Thank you. All right. Barbara has some things to say about not separating women from men. <laughs> Barbara, what do you say to people who treat everybody as though they were alike? Or am I mischaracterizing you? No, it really is about moving from great minds think alike to think unalike because men and women are wired differently and uh, it is super important for us to understand that because if we don't know that we don't know we're hurting both men and women we're misinterpreting men and we're we're biased against women or we have blind spots against women i'll just give a little piece so and dr denise feel free to jump in if you still have time if we did not research male and female bodies until 1990 before not, and you can watch my TED talk. Before 1990, we only looked at male animals and male bodies because we assumed that women were more or less the same, just a smaller version of men. There's another great TED talk called Women Are Not Small Men that you can also watch from somebody else, another doctor. And, uh, and it's so important. So there's a tidal wave of research around these gender differences, over 1 million people in 32 countries, all continents that have been researched around the wiring of male-female brain, but also all the different organs. And uh, I, I'll throw it over to Dr. Donise if you want to add anything, Dr. Wharton. You know, just a perfect example, Barbara, is that um, I have a, a, a patient that um, called me two days ago and said, I, do I need to go to the ER? Something is wrong. I feel pounding in my chest. It's not going down my arm. It's not in my jaw. It doesn't have the classic symptoms. And I said, go. So she went to the ER and I said, you make sure <laughs> that they don't do what sometimes is still done that they look at you as a male because the female presenting symptom of a heart attack is very different than a male. So she got to the ER, they did their thing, let her go. She's still having symptoms, called me back. And I said, you go back. We went to a different ER, got a different doctor and she was having a heart attack and we saved heart muscle. But if she had not been educated in the fact that if they're going to look at you as a male with your symptoms, even the tests that were run, they just didn't look deep enough or listen enough. So, Barbara, what you're doing around the world and what we're trying to do is that we really are different physiologically, mentally, emotionally. It's good that we are. Great for the diversity. We love it. But we've got a long ways to go, especially in medicine. But if I hadn't been, she hadn't been my patient and I hadn't insisted that she go back. And I know you have stories like that as well, Barbara, but that just happened two days ago. It's amazing wow. that it still happens, right? That 72% of women represent, presents very different heart symptoms when they're having a heart attack. They have flu-like symptoms and anxiety. I'll just add one more thing. My sister-in-law died at age 38 on the front lawn of her house, getting into her car. And on the Friday before, she was in emergency saying something is seriously wrong. And they, they diagnosed her as having anxiety and to go home. So we have work to do in really understanding these gender differences. But I also want to say, 
what Dr. Nunez said, it's a good thing. There's an incredible advantage of having men and women and, and really understanding those differences and encouraging women to use their own way of being emp with empathy, collaboration, inclusion, and so on. And, and I see it right now in war, even in Ukraine, you know, where women are reaching out as peacekeepers. And this happened in Liberia when I studied that years ago, you know, with Dr. President Shalif Johnson was there. The women were the peacekeeper. They did some amazing things. Um, so, yeah, so I just wanted to add that. I'm done for now. Thanks, Dr. Francie. Nambanita, great to see you. Yeah, hi, Francine. Uh, it's been ages, I know. I've been off Clubhouse for a long time. I know, but... and I've missed you. Oh, thank but you. But don't worry, I harassed her. <laughs> no, I yes. wanted to add to what Dr. Warden had to say, because, you know, this is a very, very important aspect, which women are not flagging. I had a heart attack in October. And believe you me, it what? was all... Yeah, I did, Dr. Francine. Believe you me, I did not believe I was having a heart attack. I was, uh, there was a Indian religious festival. I was fasting and blah, blah, blah. And I went for the whole prayer ceremony, etc., etc., etc. That's something I do once a year. And I stood there in my stilettos after COVID, not wearing any heels or anything. I stood there. Uh, enjoyed the whole thing, then ate some food because I was fasting, ate some food, came back. My friend and my niece were there with me. And believe you me, I made them tea and coffee because we were all dressed up and we were all disgusted and we wanted to get into our track pants. So I was making them tea and coffee and then they all left. And suddenly I started feeling uncomfortable. And I was like, oh shit, you know what? This is indigestion because I suddenly ate at 3.30 in the afternoon after not eating the whole day and I don't know what came over me I was just feeling a bit nauseous and I called my niece who lives like three minutes away from me and she had just left and I said can you come back she said what happened I just came home I said don't ask no questions just come because I was thinking I, I would faint because I was feeling uncomfortable I wanted to throw up I wanted to go and poo I could not and believe me, she came, she ran back to me and uh, she said, oh God, I keep telling you not to fast and not to do the stupid things and you did it and then you had coffee. So it's like, you know, total indigestion. She was looking for an antacid and she, what she later told me is she saw my face and she just called up the ambulance and she said, I don't know what I saw on your face. I saw something weird and uh, uh, the ambulance thankfully arrived within three or four minutes. And at that point in time, when they arrived, I was having the heart attack. And Nabinita. I did not even know. Yeah. Dr. Francine, believe me, I did not know. I was the one jumping around making tea and coffee for everybody while they were tired. I was not tired. I had no symptoms. You've met me, Dr. Francine. You I know. have. I met I you in London. Yeah, summer. yeah, and there was nothing. And my niece was asking the, 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 the whole ambulance team, what is going on? She said, she's having a heart attack. And I didn't even know what the hell. And I was uh, live to it. I had absolutely no symptoms. No symptoms that could say that I had a left shoulder pain or my shoulder was hurting. 
nothing i just wanted to throw up it's almost like when you've eaten suddenly after a while and you you know it's not digested and it's like sitting on your chest that's all the implication i had and thankfully it was not high covid time in october i was taken into the hospital they did everything the three women were like three angels who had come into my house they immediately transferred me to the hospital i had an angiography and they uh, did the surgery put a stent in there was a blocked artery i never ever had any complaints so i don't know where it came from and this is the problem this is a huge problem where we do not talk about how the symptoms of a heart attack for a woman is very very different to a man i had no shoulder pains i had no left side pain or right side pain anything it was in my stomach it wasn't even in my chest so i don't know what to say and i have been a fit what? person yeah what, well, what it says now benita what i want to say to you is thank you for coming up and sharing this because every one of these stories helps other women i was just lucky dr francine i was lucky because they did the angiography and later on the the cardiologist who came uh turned around and told me that you have gone through it with no ma- muscle damage to your heart and then five weeks on i had a huge i mean i went for my stress test and i had a huge anaphylactic attack and i was gone apparently the anaphylactic attack that i had was one in a million now this is where i come from i i can't even understand can't reason it out in my own head i have never had allergies to anything all my life and one stress test and they just put the uh, the barium sulfate uh, uh, dye into my uh, you know down my uh, veins and the next second thank god i'm a journalist and i talk too much so i told the doctor there's something going wrong with me there's a funny tingling sensation that's kind of going right from my feet to my head and then i told him my throat is choking then i said you know what my eyes are blacking out i i i can't and the, the cardiologist in in one of the most prestigious hospitals in london turned around and told me later when i was back he said you were gone your eyes had turned you were gone there was no pulse there was no uh, uh blood pressure there was nothing there and they got me back because i think i was timely in telling him that something is going wrong with me You know what? Now Benita, you've had a year to 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 remember. <laughs> oh my god, I will never forget it. And I, but that's and I, what I'm saying, these are things we don't know. Right. And it needs to and, be highlighted. Exactly. I don't know and how that, to highlight these things. That is why we need to have more in social media on this because not Benita exactly what you said, Dr. Darnis has experience with patients, I experienced it with my sister-in-law and uh Dr. Jeanette Wolf who's been in this room before said to me about 15 years ago she said we were she's an emergency physician I should say out of Connecticut she said we were sending women home to die so in the emergency room because they represented symptoms like you did they sent women home to die and they didn't know what they didn't know 
And that's just one aspect of women's health. There's a whole host of different things that we need to understand. So I'm part of it. Actually, Dr. Fittin, we should get Carolee Lee in the room when we focus on this topic. She's the CEO of Access Health. It's all about women's health. She has a whole uh, oh, network well, of experts. Yeah, well, we'll I, I, I think I think we need to, uh, Barbara. I, I'd suggest one thing is I think this awareness, like a lot of. Uh, diseases that women have is that awareness on an international level we need to create something to be able to bring these things out because it's not known you wait for a left arm pain because that's what you've heard but that wasn't it so exactly. i think we yep. need to create that awareness and 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 creating an international platform would actually help then each of us individually trying to put it on Facebook or social media, or blah, 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 does not help. Well, that's a, that's a, I you agree. Know, that's a big job, but I, I think it's a job for the organizations that have to do with cardiology. Shane, you're up here on stage and uh, you haven't spoken. Do you have something you want to add? Yeah, so I just, I mean, briefly, um, well, one, I love everything I've been hearing. Um, but so as a medic, a former medic and a teacher, uh, I always carry uh, at least a few tampons and pads with me because whenever having students of like the high school age are out and about, you never know. Um, I think it's also a really good way to test whether a medic is like really good quality at their job is if they have tampons in their medic bag because they also work great for sterile gauze if someone's uh, like scuffs a knee or slices himself with an exacto blade. Um, and so that's just kind of what I wanted to add to the conversation or what compelled me to hop up on stage um, is being mindful of those very, very subtle things um, that, I mean, it could easily be tied to further conversation on like taxing uh, women's uh, uh, reproductive health products. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm listening with bliss, uh, but that's all I wanted to throw in. Oh, thank you. Dr. Rao, you ready? Yeah, now I get the topic. Um, I do, do really agree that the great need for awareness of the special presentation of heart attacks in the women, because uh, in the field itself, we had a lot of education in the uh, CME meetings we meet uh, in the 80s and 90s also, uh, there was a big discrepancy of the presentation of women uh, and men with heart attacks, and we were really uh, focused on that for a while. Uh, but it is still like that. It is unfortunate. But there was a movement in the medical field to bring this awareness to equality. And that way, we don't want to discriminate between uh, males and females, but a lot of heart attacks were missed because they presented more like a nausea or like an uneasy feeling or um, sweating just uh, like that, you know, different, uh, uh, not a classic uh, presentation of left-sided chest pain, ready to the left arm, that kind of thing. So we are aware of this uh, and then still a lot of awareness has to be brought in um, yeah, a lot more has to be done. I agree with that, definitely. <clears throat> okay, Heyman. The secret about Heyman that very few people, well, maybe not very few people, but may, maybe they may not know, is that Heyman is a doctor. 
<laughs> Heyman, what do they tell teach you about women? You do um, basically rehabilitative yeah. work, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh- so, I mean, uh, so this is what I know. I mean, I was lucky in the sense that uh, we got some really forward-thinking teachers, especially in our obstetrics and gynecology at U of T. Um, there, I don't know whether you know but about these programs elsewhere, but we have... Stop. Uh, What's UFT? Oh, sorry. University of Toronto. Um, so I went to medical school in University of Toronto, and uh, for our clinical training, we actually had advocates, like uh, volunteers, female advocates, who were very... Uh, proactive in ensuring that the future generation of health clinicians would understand uh, the approach to a female uh, health as well as female anatomy better, exams, etc. So, for instance, you know how we, uh, most of the times, oftentimes people uh, are learning from textbooks or just learning from their seniors and uh, learn and, you know, from on the go. But here, we actually had classes where these ladies would actually be coming and teaching us and giving us feedback uh, as standardized people uh, about how the exam's going, if we're doing it correctly, the gynecological exams to other exams. And they would give us feedback. And that was a way to also uh, sort of make it, normalize it, but also make it more... Because a lot of times, if you think about it, medical students are uh, a younger crowd, right? Oftentimes, uh, uh, like, you know, they're not used to uh, being uh, that active so sexually or uh, and so forth. So this actually breaks a lot of frontiers. And Whoa, I'm waiting for someone to, like, jump up from the audience and talk, tell you that you have no right to make a, gener- a generalization oh, like I know. That, <laughs> about medical students. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, well, the key... Speak yourself, buddy. <laughs> But I mean, that's another thing too. I mean, it's just, honestly, I think um, we don't know. I mean, a lot of us don't know unless it happens to you, right? And most of our textbooks to everything has been written at a time when, um, you know, this was not looked into that deeply. Heart attacks were not talked about from a female standpoint. Even medications, if you think about it, most medicines that are designed are designed for a 70 kilogram male. Those are the research in the past. Because it standardizes okay. things. Wait a minute, I'm an American. Yeah, I can add that some to that. What too. is it? What is a seventy kilogram male equate to in pounds? <laughs> uh, seventy kg. It's around two point two five. So it's uh, one hundred and sixty. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Americans never were able to navigate the metrics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's so, a standardized, that's what how in the past, drug uh, when they did drug trials, those are the things uh, that they had a standard because that was easy for them, right? Less complications, you don't have to worry about female, other physiology. It's like mice, lab rats, right? You have a certain known entity that you're testing in, and that's how it has been. And now only people are realizing that certain medications don't work well in certain populations and certain uh, physiology, certain demographics, certain ethnicities. Sorry, Barbara, you wanted to chime in. I just love what you're saying because it isn't in the textbooks. Dr. Larry Cahill, neuroscientist out of UCL, Irvine, uh, is writing the first textbook for medical students on gender differences. But I want to add one more thing when you talk about medication because 70 OTC meds was removed off the shelf from F, with the FDA about six years ago. Seven, seven zero, not 17, seven zero over the counter medication. 
because they weren't tested on women and they they discovered that when they did, it had adverse effect on women. So we have work to do. Seriously? Seriously, yeah. So we should get a few more doctors in the room when we speak next who have direct deep experience on that, that we're at the front line looking at this and really advocating for why aren't we testing medication on women? Why we only, and even, so I'll give you one more stat, you can look it up, Viagra. And I can't remember, Heyman, the, the, the female version of Viagra, yep. but the, whatever the name of that medication it was. It didn't work. It oh. didn't work on women. It actually made women sick, especially right. after they had one drink. So then they went back and tested on men and it got approved. It got approved. Just so, so they you know. finally got their feminine side, Barbara. There you go, Gita. Yeah. <laughs> so we have work to do. And also the funding. If you look at all the historical ways that Viagra has been funded, it was funded really fast in many nations around the world, in many healthcare systems. But when it came to female products or anything else, it took ages and some are not even still funded. So it tells you like the bias there as well. Well, what's comical is that Vi Viagra is funded by Medicare, and it's been funded by Medicare, you know, forever. It, every, lots of other, um, not only female, but lots of other medical products and pharmaceuticals are, you know, they have to go crazy going through uh, trials to get accepted by Medicare. Suddenly, Viagra was free for men, you know, who are on Medicare. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be. I, I'm just saying it was interesting how fast it happened and that if anyone, anything is a testimony um, to the fact that men run the, the world and the medical community is uh, how quickly Viagra got uh, accepted into Medicare. Yeah, and it's that's the same in Japan as well. Opinion. Yeah, and in Japan too, it was like really fast how it was adopted. And that's a whole other story there. I'm sure we could invite some of our Japanese friends to talk about that too. It's so funny. Gouda, anything to add or are you up, just up here to I, protect me? Uh, <laughs> the other one I want to talk, talk about is the anaphylactic uh, incident. Because I think, again, the awareness is very poor because... A lot of people uh, have anaphylactic uh, attacks, but they are not as serious as what happened to me because the cardiologist then told me that, you know what, uh, when I asked him after I was okay, uh, after being in the hospital for more than 24 hours, I asked him if, you know, what happens to my stress test. He said, you aced it because, you know, what you went through, your heart attack was nothing. And uh, the point is this kind and apparently after that, all the cardiologists that I've spoken to, they've turned around and told me, oh, your case was being discussed at every uh, discussion the cardiologists had because it was one in a million case. But the point is these because they inject that dye into everybody that they give a stress test to. Yeah, that's a common dye, okay? And I had never had any uh, any kind of uh, allergies to any anything on this planet and I've gone through severe health issues. I've never had it. And when it happened, it just took seconds when I was out. 
I was completely out. Like well, the cardiologist himself said that I got you back. N- he said I would have left practicing. Now, Benita, I've got a friend whose daughter um, had an a, an anaphylactic shock um, attack in Mexico to some form of nuts and died. And she started an entire foundation to make sure that schools had EpiPens so that they could, they could you know, at least uh, be prepared for events like that in schools. I'll tell you, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, Heyman, where'd you find this? Oh, it's, uh, it's all over the place. AHA journals, good. It's, it, there's a lot more uh, to that, sorry. A lot Dr. Fenstein. Rick. Yeah, you know, I have a question because, you know, many of the things you were talking about education earlier, and, you know, all of this is part of health education. And, um, you know, when I was growing up, it was very impolite to talk about money, and it still is in many respects, but it was really impolite for women never talked about money. And, you know, in early education, it seems like health and economics are things that we are not teaching at all in our our schools. And these are the things that are going to affect people's lives. My biggest expense for the last, you know, I'm 67, for the last 30 years has been health, you know, insurance. And these are things that they didn't teach us in school at all. Um, you know, when I was in school, the guys went to shop class, the women went to home economics class. And it, it's, <laughs> Me too. It, I it's something it. that, yeah, it's something that, uh, you know, we really need to know about because these are going to be the biggest expenses uh, and probably some of the most difficult to deal with in people's lives from the time they turn 20 till, you know, till they die. Well, and here's the thing. I'm really, I got the idea for this room from, you know, knowing that Disney was running a film and it shows you how naive I am after 80 years of life on this planet. I, I, I thought that it might provoke open discussions about puberty because it was called turning red and it was so obvious that you know to most people who saw the film that the woman was getting her period the girl in it was getting her period but i haven't seen the film so i really don't have any right to uh give an opinion but i've heard a lot of things about it but it's, you know not and to defend those people who actually uh, they actually said that it's it's not only that it's also a, a movie about growing up and uh, facing uh, adversities. Uh, so I invited a few people who did see it. Unfortunately, they left. Uh, but it, it was more than uh, just periods. It was more about a, adversity growing up. Um... Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll stream it. I have Disney+. Plus. Um, anybody want to wind up by making a comment about today's discussion before I... I'm going to take it home. Yeah. Today. No, I think what Rick said is very important. 
my children had home economics here in Ireland, and they learn a little basic accountancy, a little management. They even give them some notions of how to, where to put your money in, in, in the financial market, whatever, how to talk to your bank. Right. And I grew up in Brazil when it was an inflation that it was like there's no tomorrow. So if you had a kilo of sugar today would be five dollars. Next day would be 50. So you just bought and bought things. And if it was available. And then I think if I remember well, well, I think I lived through 13 or 14 economic plans. And there were nothing like that. The schools couldn't, even if they were in school, they couldn't keep up with the government and the situation. So it's really complicated. I find it that is super important. Well, it is super important. And, and Rick is also right. And it's so, it is so, oh, there's another one I have to read. Heyman, you can just send all those to me. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, he's, I actually studied under him, too, at McMaster when I was doing my residency. There is a huge difference, mitochondrial to uh, metabolism differences between us that people have to take into account as well. So am I taking boy supplements instead of girl supplements? Well, don't you take the pink bottle versus the blue bottle? That's all a scam, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> It you is, sound are... like the Brazilian Minister of Education and Women's Affairs. Girls wear pink, boys wear blue. <laughs> but I have this, you know, this is it's a very serious subject, but it's it's finally getting discussed, at least. Except Rick is right because the one place where it isn't getting discussed now because of our attitudes toward what can be taught in schools is in school. Right? Before you before you wrap up, Dr. Fritzine, I just want to add one more thing, and that is before the pandemic, we were ready to launch a documentary on gender differences in every aspect of gender differences, from health to relationship to politics to war to boys and girls, to LGBTQ, to all of it. And it got stalled because of the pandemic. So I now am declaring a commitment to revisit that with the amazing Hollywood folks that I was networking with to get well, that done. Clearly there's a market. So yeah. yes, and if I can help you in any way, I will. All right. I will reach so out. Once again, I want to say... Oh, and also one more thing, Francine. I just wanted to point out the fact that men are equally badly educated on all this. So Not arguing against No, that. and also I think, like, even in relationships, uh, I remember having a conversation with someone from South Asia, and they were telling me things. I'm like, what? Like, these are educated people talking about... Not, I'm again, I'm not generalizing here, but it's just the fact that we don't actually... Because the fact that we don't have these discussions, it actually doesn't help anyone, um, and especially uh, men, too, now are getting into these uh, sort of packs that they think that they're... Like, some of them are feel that they're being oppressed and et cetera, but I think it's oh, also wait, a misunderstanding. Men going, going it alone... Agreed. Incels, you mean? Called? Incels? No, oh. no. Incels are, are involuntary in, uh, celibates who think that they have um, a right to sex but haven't had it. There's other people, um, 
Oh, rats. There's an acronym for it. That's men, men going on their own or something like that. And it's <laughs> somebody Google it because it's, it really is a group. And it's a group of men who have absolutely no use for women. And these are the, the men who are behind the anti-abortion bills and they're against women voting and all sorts of things. It's called MG Tao. MG Tao? MG Tao. Men going going their own way. That's right. MGTOWs. That's what they're called. MGTOWs. MGTOWs. Wow. So there, you learned something in the Karma Club today. Yeah, but there's also this situation that like... uh, People, they don't know how to do their testicle testing for tumors. And is the one of the biggest killers between young men, between 18 to 35. We I, talk about breast cancer all the time. There's nothing, right? I know because my son actually found that in a school project that he created, uh, Grab My Balls, it was the name, right? And I, I was like, wow, I didn't know that. There's men, men rape, nobody talks about, and we are always talking about ourselves. And also, they also suffer from the same pressure of the patriarchy that we do in the other way around, right? Men don't cry. You have to be a stoic, right? right? No, it's I have no stones and all these kind yep. of things. I, I mean, it must be very lonely and very tough to be a man in this system that they had created from themselves. Right, so I, I have we, the same feeling you do, Guda. I've been exactly. Five so times I, and I love. That. Yeah, yeah. We and, have to to try also to be balanced and things, but just on the education bit, I wanted to bring. I think it's important, and I think it completes what Barbara said. In Brazil, was created a, a educational book for the educational system is national. For all school, doesn't matter public or private, they have a basic curriculum to follow. And sexual education is obliged. And uh, doesn't matter if this school is Catholic, not Catholic, whatever, it's the same book, right? Whatever is outside that book, it's done in the parish, in the Santa Catechist school, whatever they And... uh, the main thing is that this book was created to be in different phases of the children's development. So you would start from kindergarten until the sixth grade, and you would talk about the different genders and everything from there. And of course, this government came and everything printed to go a beautiful project and Everything it's getting rotten in storage because the 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 they are they are they are oh my god Protestants and uh, I mean they are Christians these newborn Christians and they don't allow it to go to the schools right and this is a big issue because Brazil is one of the countries in the world that has more violence against the LGBTQ plus population. We're right? going to be able to have a whole room, a whole year. About that, we have a lot to talk. 
We have a lot to talk about, but I have to go to my rally meeting, and I don't like these meetings, to these rooms to go over an hour. So I'm going to end this one by thanking everybody and telling you all I love you, and also saying, saying buy your five karma coins to help support the karma club and support the artists that we support. I will see you all next week. Thanks, Dr. Francine. Take care, all. Thanks for joining as well on the call-in. Everyone's welcome on stage to converse with the other platforms as well. Take care.